Why, hello there. Welcome to A Conversation with Matthew, the show where me and a rotating cast of guests come together to talk about anything that we bring to the table. Each guest has some connection to myself and possesses unique perspectives and experiences on many topics. Then, we sit down around the microphone and have a conversation for your amusement. But enough of that, on to the show. My name is Matthew Jebbia, and joining me today, my good friend and yours, Noah Connor. Thanks for having me, Matthew. I enjoy being here. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing well? Good morning, yeah. Yeah. Nice and pretty outside. I enjoy a nice spring morning. You know, it's the season. I'm enjoying the weather. It's a a little warmer than I want some days, but that nice 55 to 60 degrees, it's pretty perfect. I like it. I like it when it starts out about 50 in the morning and then works its way up to like 75, 80 in the afternoon. See, 80 is a little too much for me. It's a little pushing it. That's the funny thing is that like, um, so I spend a lot of time playing golf, as you know, and so uh, it being, as much as I hate it, I hate being really, really hot, but I actually play better when it's hot outside. Really? It's, it's weird. I sweat a whole lot more and I'm a whole lot more uncomfortable, but for some reason I play better when it's hot. Now... We've known each other for a few years now. We're seniors in high school, but I don't know if you remember the first time we met. It was our freshman year, a few weeks into school, maybe two or three. I think it's Memorial Day weekend, or, or actually it's Labor Day weekend, excuse me. And I'm still living in Clemens in Forsyth County, and you and your dad come over to my house and a few other of my dad's friends and some football players that offered to help us move to Rockingham County. So you were helping my family pack up some things from our garage, some leftover things to bring over uh, just an hour trip over into Rockingham County. And I remember you being at the bottom of my driveway and I'm talking to you and you notice my golf clubs and you're like, oh, you play golf? I was like, oh yeah, I played golf during middle school and I had a really good time. And then you started talking about golf and we had that little conversation and then I just remember that first memory of you. I don't know if you remember that. I actually do remember that. I hadn't thought about that until you just brought it up because I I don't know. I just don't sit here and think about stuff like that. But I do remember that, and that was a fun time. You had made – you had like a um, Gatorade bottle recliner or something. Do you remember that? I I did have a Gatorade (laughs) bottle chair where I I collected about like 200 Gatorade bottles during fifth grade, just collecting them from my friends and my – my friend gave me this idea, like, what are you doing with all these bottles, making a chair? And I was like, that's a great idea. So I think uh, I, it's funny thought, that you remember that. That was the, I thought that at the time, that was the perfect balance between that's kind of odd and that's kind of cool. Because when yeah. I first saw it, I was like, what kind of kid makes a chair out of bottles? And I was like, that's, but at the same time, the, like, the craftsmanship just almost to be impressive. like, oh, yeah. Where that, that was my creative outlet. Because it wasn't just like a chair for looks. Like you could actually legit uh, sit it, down. It supported in it. my weight. Yeah. Now I've maybe outgrown it by now since I made it in fifth grade. I don't know. You're a little bit smaller than you were. I, I, <laughs> I did lose a lot of weight during my freshman and sophomore year of high school, but in terms of height wise, and it is a smaller chair. Yeah. But enough of that. We we should go into the main <laughs> topics of the show. Topic one that you brought to me today golf tell me about it that's probably just it's the biggest part of my life i mean i spend uh if i spend less than 10 hours a week um actually out on the golf course then i'm spending the same 10 hours 
watching golf or playing some sort of video game or thinking about it, journaling about it. Something that something to do with me playing is what I do in my free time. Um, so that, that's kind of funny. I, not funny, but that shows how much golf means to you. But how did golf start for you? Well, how was it introduced to you? Oddly enough, um, so my, my dad played golf uh, a lot during college. He played, I believe he played on the high school team, but he, he also played baseball. And since those are both spring sports, I don't know if he um, gave up one his last year of high school. He, I think he's told me that he was on the high school team. And I don't know back then, not back then, but like in our parents' generation of how common it was for an athlete to p- play two sports during the same season. But nowadays you can see like a few athletes try to work it out with the different coaches to come to practices, mm-hmm. two practices, one week for one sport and two practices for another and sport. A funny thing about that, and we could probably talk about this later if you'd like, but um, the depth of every sport um, that, not, not just golf, but in baseball and football and track and all, all these other things, um, and basketball, it's almost impossible to be the best in your sport if you're playing multiple sports because I've noticed that in golf um, when I was 11 years old I try I only did this for one season because it was so hard to do both of them and be good at both of them but I played baseball and golf um, and when I was 11 which I was I was young enough to a point where it didn't really affect um, like it wasn't going to keep me. It from didn't going affect to the progression of your yeah, skill. Yeah, because I, w- I was too young in either sport for it to have mattered. But that year was kind of because um, I loved both of them equally at that point. Because um, I just started back into golf, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second of how I started and stopped. Um, but uh, that one season, I was like, okay, I have to choose one because only one of them is going to lead me somewhere. I, either one of them could take me places if I worked at it, but I have to only choose one. So were, was that an actual thought you had back mm-hmm. when you were 11 or 12 years old? That's like thinking about the sport taking you to like the next level and yes. possibly making it a career. Because both of them I had considered um, very, uh, very realistically. I was like, okay, I, I think I can... I, I could not, looking back, I could not have done it in baseball whatsoever. But at the time, I was like, you know, I could probably go pro. You know how 11-year-old boys yeah, are. I could probably go pro in either one of these sports, but I don't at, know which one. At that one. age, yeah. a lot of kids are thinking I thought that. I was the stuff. I, I was a pitcher at 11 years old. I think my fastball was like a good 55, 55 miles, miles an hour. per hour. And then, you know, there's 12-year-olds that are just a year older than me that are throwing it like 75 miles an hour. I was like, I can still do it. I've got a good curveball. So... Yeah, so I had that. I did actually have that thought. Hey, if I want to be a professional in either one of these sports, I have to choose one, and it's got to be next year. And the next year, I gave up baseball and focused on golf, mainly because of my earlier years. I had the realization that I had more talent. Um, at I was I was a more talented golfer at six years old than I was a skilled baseball player than I think I ever would be. I think I would have more raw talent as a six-year-old than I could ever work out um, enough skill to play baseball. So golf was just meant to be for you. It was, and the um, story, you asked how I got into it, how it was introduced to me. This kind of demonstrates that. 
um, there were a set of plastic golf clubs. I don't remember if it was at my house or my grandparents' house, uh, but very small, like extremely toddler clubs. It, uh, I was two years old the first time I ever touched a golf club type object, which nice. was um, plastic clubs. And at the age of two years old, I swung a golf club and it didn't look like this choppy, disgusting swing that most kids would have where they just like hit straight down on it and are just, you know, looking like they're using an ax. Um, it was actually somewhat resembling an actual golf swing. But you, my dad had At never, two years old, you already had the technique. <laughs> a, a bit of it, yeah. Uh, or so I've been told. I've never seen a video of it. I think that would be interesting. But um, one thing that's interesting about that story is I had never, dad told me, he said that he had never watched golf with me around. He had, I had never seen him hold a golf club. Nothing had ever exposed me to golf until that point. And so um, my encounter with that golf club and swinging it was the first encounter of golf in any way, shape, or form. Just no influence whatsoever. No influence whatsoever. It was just a natural, the development of mine, you just saw it, you picked it up. Mm-hmm. You swung the golf club, and it was just an indicator of what was meant to come in the future years. Yeah, and that was something um, that actually really helped with decisions I had moving forward uh, about what I wanted to do. Because I'm a man of many interests. I enjoy just learning things. It's it's fun for me to learn things. Yeah, that pursuit of knowledge is very yes. fascinating and captivating. And through that... Um, golf has been because of that early talent and that early age of just knowing it and being good at it um that has driven me to make decisions to either not necessarily give stuff up but to realize that golf has to take precedence over that thing if i want to continue progressing and so um at a young age when i was six and seven years old that's when i started playing tournament golf and it was just uh, the junior one, leagues, junior leagues, one day tournaments. Um, there's a league called U, uh, U.S. Kids Golf, um, and we did a, uh, back then. It was actually in Greensboro when I started. Back when I was 11 and 12, they had um, moved out of Greensboro and started doing things in the Raleigh area. But when I was doing one day tournaments as a six year old, never had any lessons. Dad was the one teaching me, um, just kind of sh- like helping me understand the golf swing and get better at it. Showed you the basics, basic yes. rules, wh- which club to decide depending yeah. on what situation you're in, what how the to distance. Read, how to read putts. All of, all of those things, um, he, he kind of, he taught me till I was, I think, 12 um, or maybe even 13. Were you just that able to pick it up pretty easily or with... Uh, Did it take some time to develop? Like, what was something that you think came easily versus something that you really had to work on at that young age? The golf swing itself came very easily to me. Um, and, uh, like, try doing the best I can to set all arrogance aside because I, I don't want to come across that way. But um, the swing that I already had as a child was... If you go back and watch videos of my swing now versus my swing or my swing back then versus my swing now, a six year old swing versus an 18 year old swing, it looks very similar. The positions I'm hitting in my swing are very similar. Um, The overall shape of it is very similar. And so uh, the swing itself um, 
came very easily to me. There's only there's one aspect of golf, and it still um, it still struggle. I still struggle with it today, and it's just the speed of which I hit putts. Um, I tend to hit them very very hard, and I did that as a kid a lot. And when I say when I say I did that as a kid, I mean I still do that now. I did that last week. <laughs> well, do you have a mallet putter or a blade putter? It's just a blade putter. And so for the audience at home, a blade putter is um, a little bit of a smaller head. Um, mallet putters tend to be like square in shape almost. They can be really any shape, but they, they're they a little heavier. They're a little bit heavier. A little you don't need bigger. to swing the putter as much or as yeah. with the same force. Because if you handed the same golfer both putters with the same swing, you'd see a difference in the distance that the ball would go. A little bit, yes. Um, but yeah, that, that's something that I've uh, really struggled with. Um, I think at any point uh, in my golfing career, uh, but over time, so uh, my golf game has uh, very much evolved um, as I grew up. So I started tournaments when I was six and seven. So I played tournaments for two years and I would, I didn't win everything, but I won a lot of first place medals. At, um, that's great. Yeah, and so it was it was fun, and that that's kind of why I kept playing it. I have a trophy set at home, and I've got like twenty first place medals from U.S. Kids, and then like ten of each of second and third. And so, um, I I don't know how many tournaments I played in, but it was I have more first place medals. Um, from that point in my career, I have more first place medals than I have any, of any other type of medal. Um, and so it was fun. And for some reason, after I was seven years old, when I it, when I turned eight, I just stopped playing. I wasn't... What happened? It wasn't that I stopped liking it. I just didn't play. Um, I was never like, hey, Dad, let's go to the golf course, or can we... I, I just stopped playing. There was no reason for it. Um, I didn't... Like I said, I didn't stop liking it. There was absolutely no reason whatsoever. Because even when I was six and seven years old, I was still playing in all the normal kid sports. Um, like when they came around, like playing soccer and basketball and baseball and you know, playing those sports. Um, and so when I turned eight, I just stopped playing golf just for whatever reason. Looking back at that now, can you find any correlation of uh, stopping playing golf for that one year? Like, what school came up? Were you hanging out with different friends? No. Like, um, it's everything. Can you find, is there any correlation that happens with that event? No, because that There's would be, just really that no would mean reason. me going from, I would be in the second grade, I believe, because um, it was between seven and eight. All and right. so I had, so I turned six in kindergarten December. year. And then seven in first grade, so I'd between seven and eight, so I'd be starting second grade. Excuse me. Um, and um, the only thing that I think, actually, I didn't even think about this. So there's um, a, a kid uh, at, at the time, and you, you may know him, uh, the audience may not, but um, Nick Bowles. I don't think I um, he he used to go to um, Rockingham High School and he left. I think he came back. I have Is no idea. Is he the same grade as yes, us? he's or he was. Um, I think he reclassed. I, I have no idea. But in second grade, that's when I met him, and we came, became really good friends. And he played baseball a lot during that time. Um, and in later years, I think he actually started playing on a travel team because 
baseball is was his thing and so that that may have been the reason but from eight to ten i did not play golf at all oh so it's about a two-year span yeah two or two or three three years i I did not play golf and the way that i got big back into golf was dad um he uh asked me to go see a movie with him and i was like okay yeah sure i'll go see a movie with you and it was called seven days in utopia and it's a movie about golf and after i watched it once i once i knew the movie was about golf i was like oh this is stupid i had gotten to the point where i got i thought golf was stupid um i have no idea why but i thought golf was stupid at that age maybe you just thought it was like part of your childhood maybe you've grown past it i guess i i don't even know if i remembered that i had played golf i i have no idea but i was like okay well this is stupid but i'll go with him anyway just because i love my dad and so we went to that movie and after that movie i was like I kind of want to play. Like, kind of sparked that I, yeah. desire to play again. Like I, I was, I was like, you know, I, I do remember playing, and it was pretty fun. I was pretty good. Let's, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Go back on the range when I'm uh, ten, turning eleven, and just kept going from that point forward. Started getting lessons when I was thirteen, and here I am. I mean, it's it's been an interesting ride, but definitely one worth taking. And again, I. I quit golf again um, my freshman year of high school. You, you may not know that because you, you knew me then. I quit golf again freshman year of high school. Reason being, I started playing marching band and the amount of practice that we had during the week and the competitions that we had did not allow me any time to play golf. So for three months, I, I played golf every now and then. I didn't like give it up completely, but I didn't practice, I didn't play in tournaments. I didn't just play for fun, uh, or I all I did was play for fun every now and then after dinner um, with dad on our little home course that we live on. But I, besides that, I played no competitive competitive golf for three months. I did not practice and go to the range and work on anything for three months. It was just dormant, let's just do it whenever kind of golf. I had no idea that in your golf career, I, I knew how much golf meant to you. But I had no idea that there was these two spans in your life that you just golf was abs- almost absent in your life yeah that it didn't hold the same prominence as it does now and um a lot of the reason that it has such a prominence now is because my dad sat me down at bojangles um all of the best talks i've had with my dad have been at bojangles um did you get the bowberry biscuits or a Chick- no. chick-fil-a sand uh, not chick-fil-a i'm sorry <laughs> the the bojangles uh, chicken sandwich. Yes, I got the Cajun filet combo. Cajun filet biscuit. Yes, so that, that's my that's my standard. Cajun filet combo, seasoned fries, and if I'm feeling a bit froggy, I'll get a cinnamon twist, um, which cinnamon biscuit now. I I grew up on cinnamon biscuits, and then they switched to cinnamon twist, and now they're back to cinnamon biscuits. But they're not as good as they used to be. They used to be a whole lot more unhealthy. Back in the day, the cinnamon in, twists. It was, I mean, it was literally diabetes on a plate, and it was delicious. <laughs> I loved it. I used to go to Bojangles all the time with my grandfather, and that was... Yeah, but this talk that you're, this talk with yeah. your dad at Bojangles, you were about to say. Um, he, uh, so my, my family is very much a Christian family, and I'm very blessed to have that in my life because that, um, if I was not a Christian, I don't believe that I would be playing golf right now, and I don't believe that I would be the person that I am. Um, when, when he sat me down in Bojangles, he referenced um, Luke twelve forty eight, and it's talking about a, a servant serving his master. And um, 
about the responsibilities given to him. And uh, it says, to whom much is given, much is demanded. And to, whom much, and to whom much is entrusted, even more will be asked of him. And uh, my dad told me, and it, I think I was, I was 13 or 14, because when I was younger, when I first started back playing golf, dad pushed me a lot because he knew that I could be good if I was pushed at the right times. And he did a very good job of not over pushing me. And being very supportive, he was, but also encouraging it, encouraging the the potential that you had. Yes, he knew that there were days that I was not going to want to go out to the golf course and practice. And he knew, I don't know how he did this so well, and, um, and I respect him very much for it, but he knew when he needed to push me and when I, and at what times that I said that I didn't want to go, that it was okay to say, okay, we don't have to go today, we can just go sometime, some other time. And He respected that. Yes. Um, he. My parents have never forced me into a sport or out of a sport for any reason whatsoever. I believe fully if I had a good reason to, I could tell my parents. And I mean, I have a scholarship to go to a college and play golf right now. But I fully believe that if I had a good reason to and went up to my parents and said, hey, I don't like golf. I don't enjoy it anymore. I want to stop playing, that they would support me in that decision without hesitation. I can see that if you, for in this time in your life, say... I don't want to continue playing golf mm-hmm. at the college level. I just want to pursue my academics and go yeah. into a different career, but still have golf as a pastime, as a hobby. Yeah, I, I can see like no your, your parents, golf. my parents in the same situation would be very supportive and encouraging of whatever decision yeah. that we would have made. Um, but that, in that conversation at Bojangles, because of him pushing me, he told me um, after he shared that verse, he said, I can't. I can't drive the ship anymore. I, he said that he's he's driven the ship long enough. At some point, I have to take this for my own. Uh, I remember when this conversation happened. This conversation happened um, freshman year, at, uh, right before school started. And so did you play? I know you talked about you did marching band freshman year, but did you do school, school golf your freshman year? I did, because it was a spring sport. Gotcha. Um, and so... Uh, he, ga- he gave me that talk at Bojangles uh, right before school started. And when school started, I started marching band and didn't play for three months. And I sat there and I thought about that conversation many times because I was like, I, I believe that all of my talent that, I've, that I have is completely and totally God-given. Um, and so I thought about that conversation and I realized that God has given me much, and He's not asking me to please do something with me, with it. He's demanding that I do something with it, and that sounds that sounds like I'm using God as a way to force myself back into the game. But it didn't feel forceful whatsoever because in my life, God has worked in so odd in so many odd ways. But it always works out in a way that I don't feel like He pushed something into me. He just kind of said, "Here you go." do something with it and that was kind of how it is with golf and from that point forward after I was like you know what I think that I'm here to play golf whether it's to be a professional or just to play college and then after that don't even play competitive golf anymore and just use it as a hobby to connect with people whatever it is I I'm supposed to be playing golf 
Otherwise, I would not have the talent that God gave me. And um, and so I started practicing again, and I would go to the course when my dad wasn't there, and I would uh, work for hours and hours. Um, and out of out of that work, I have the love that I have now for golf. And I am at a point in my life where I do not I could occupy myself if I didn't play golf, but I don't know if I could find something that I would love as much as I love golf right now. With all the interests that I have, I don't think I could find something that means to me the same amount that golf means to me right now. And I have plenty of interests. I play um, pool and ping pong, um, and I love music. I play drums and piano. Um, I. I enjoy a variety of things and I enjoy learning new things, but I don't think there's ever something that could ever give me the mental and physical satisfaction of playing golf. That golf is irreplaceable for you. And that's a very, it's a moving story that you're presenting me. The progression that golf has had in your life and the absence of it in those two spans and then the conversation with your dad that gave you that self-realization that connection with God that you were just telling me about and what it, just what it means to you now. I can see that it's not just, you know, the talent that you're talking about, but you've also enriched it and you've put in the hours, you've practiced, you've enjoyed playing the game, you've enjoyed connecting with other people, playing with other people. And I'm glad that we had a chance to still talk about this because I, on the surface level, I knew you liked playing golf. I knew you were very, you were a very good player, and that you, you know you, you're saying that you won a lot of these medals as a kid, and you're still playing tournaments now. But I, I didn't really have that full idea. I didn't really fully develop this idea that how much it meant to you. Yeah. And for me, golf was introduced to me. One of my close friends, his name was Reese Kelly. He and his family were big golfers, his dad, his older brother, and then Reese. And Reese invited me to play in a captain's choice tournament in second or third grade. And I think at the time my grandfather bought me a junior golf club set. And I got to play with my friend Reese in this captain's choice game. And clearly like Reese was the better player he actually played. And I was just kind of there for fun. But I remember uh, he hit the ball into the sand trap, but my my shot wasn't any better. So we went with his, but his shot out of the sand trap was awful. And then I had at it, clear shot, a good, whatever, it was second grade, maybe a good like 70, 80 yards, got on the green. And he's like, we're going with your shot. <laughs> and then he, and we, uh, I think we two putted, um, and then we saved it for par. And he's like, you really saved it. And that enjoyment I had, you know, there was other shots that uh, we decided to go with my shot, but playing the nine holes with him was so much fun. I was like, man, how come I've never played golf before? My grandfather, huge golfer his whole life. My dad played golf a little bit. And I think when over the summers, my dad in high school would caddy at like his local country club for the summer and get paid. So he was around the game a lot. He enjoyed watching. He's not the best player, but he, he knows like which club to use and he knows the game. He enjoys watching the game. 
So after that second grade experience, you know, I really don't remember playing in the years leading after that in third, fourth, or fifth grade. But when middle school golf came around, I, I joined the team as a sixth grader being a novice. They didn't, I don't think they, they made a few cuts, but I was one of the, the last that they kept on because they, they saw some of my potential in the tryouts. So for like seventh and eighth grade, that I could be a better player that could help out the team maybe. And I used my dad's old set of golf clubs for my sixth grade and seventh grade year. So they weren't the newest set of clubs, but I made it work. And I learned a lot of the game. I learned a lot of the rules. And I had so much fun just going to practices and going to matches, hanging out with the group of guys, hanging out with the golf coach, just playing, practicing, going through the course, going to, even going to the range, like listening to music and like everyone like, all right, everyone, take out your sandwich. We're all going to try to hit that one thing out in the range and just making it a little competition, just having so much fun and the conversations I've had with them. And it was, I, it was such a great experience I had in middle school. I played it for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And when I got to eighth grade, I got a new, my own set of clubs and I was so excited. I took some lessons after my seventh grade season to get ready for the eighth grade season. You know, I really wanna refine my swing, just get a little better, get a little more consistent in the game so I can enjoy it a little more. So I'm not always like shanking in it into the forest and or into the water and just having to drop the ball and add that extra stroke to my game. I feel like I could clean up my game a little bit. And my eighth grade year, I had a lot of fun. We had, we had a different coach that year, but he was my favorite coach. His name was Mr. Mana. He was the psychology teacher at the private school that I went to and he, he really didn't know much about golf to coach us. He was just there to play with us. He brought his own set of clubs and he would just play with us. <laughs> it was so much fun. And just kind of goofing around with him and you know talking with all the other kids on the team. And, and if I really think back about it, my three years of playing golf in the, at that middle school level, I probably saved my parents hundreds and hundreds of dollars of paying for like, because, you know, going through the school, the school paid for, you know, whatever deal or contract they had that they were allowed the team to come to Tanglewood Country Club and play on the range and play on their course. So I didn't, I didn't have to make my parents, you know, pay for every time I wanted to go out. Because really I was the only one in my family playing golf. And so uh, my dad would have played with me every once in a while, but not as often as me really playing with the team. So we didn't have a membership to a country club. So I just, I'm thinking back, because you know, golf, golf is an expensive sport. Yes. Very much. much so. In terms of paying for, at, like paying just to play, paying for your clubs, paying for the golf balls, paying for tees, getting a new glove every few months, et cetera. Traveling. What was that? Traveling. Traveling. So I just, I think back to that, that was such a great experience for me to like be with a group of guys, have fun at practices and playing golf matches, meeting other people. And just, it, we didn't even take it too seriously. I was playing with some other guy with, from another school and he's like, what, uh, should I go with my seven iron or the eight iron? And I was like, honestly, if you think about it, just go for your pitching wedge. Because if, <laughs> I mean, I was trying to help him out. Right. And not that I know everything, but it was more fun just to play, 
play together instead of taking it really seriously, for me at least. And I had such a good time playing golf, and I, I think it was because my grandfather kind of introduced it to me more so than my dad. My grandfather like got me the club, the set of clubs, and kind of, and then my parents both encouraged me to go out for the middle school team. But when I came to the high school, I, it was a little more competitive. I didn't know if it was going to take up too much of my time with academics, trying to take school a little more seriously. Not that I never took it seriously. I always took it seriously, and I was just worried that it would take too much of my time. Ultimately, haven't been on the golf team at all in high school. Yeah, I, I wish. Know. Oh, you know? Yes, I've asked I, you many times to be on the golf team. I have no idea why. Do I've, you have any actual explanation that you would like to share with the audience? Other than it's just inconvenient for me, and I'm not the best player that I wouldn't be able to add to the team. I just really just want to have fun playing. And not that I wouldn't have fun losing, but however, I just think, I don't know if it's worth my time going every day just to play double bogey, triple bogey golf, not having the best experience. I wish I could commit more time to it that I know I won't give it the proper time and appreciation that I would want to, that the time I had in middle school that I could give up for it. Yeah, well, the thing is, though, is that, you know, you say you want to spend more time doing it, but high school golf's a great time to do it because just like you had that deal at Tanglewood, we have that deal at Greensboro National. Which you is true. Free golf balls, go play nine holes, you play with your buddies, me, you can play with me, even though you say that you don't want to play with me because you just don't want to be beat. You just blow me out of the water. I don't but know. That's, a, that's another thing. I want to play with you. I want to play with you. I've... um. I've been told by multiple people, not just in golf, but just other things in general. Like, there's a new drummer at our church that is nervous to play in front of me because he doesn't want to mess up. And um, even my own girlfriend, she doesn't enjoy asking me for help in school because she's embarrassed that she doesn't know how to do things. And I'm like, and I'm fairly well versed in academics. Like, I, I, I don't pride myself on it just because I don't enjoy it very much. But I am good at math and English and science and history like I am good at those things I don't enjoy all of them but I am good enough to the point where I've taken college level classes and I'm still in high school but I I don't judge people or are even bothered by a lack of talent or skill just because that's not the point of it yeah the point of it is in, in academics the point of it is to learn something that you didn't know it doesn't matter what you didn't know learn learn what you haven't already known or in golf the point of it is to not have the best score possible but just enjoy playing golf i mean if i was playing with you i wouldn't care if you were beating me or if i was beating you by 15 shots i would just enjoy playing golf just because that's oh, what yeah. i love to do i would have a great time i just pick around with you like yeah i know <laughs> i because you're just so good i mean you're going to college to play golf just kind of blows me away sometimes to think about Having, knowing people, having friends that are going to take whatever sport they're playing to the next level. Because mm -hmm. I have a friend that I went to school with from kindergarten to eighth grade that I've known, and she's going to NC State to play volleyball. And it's awesome. just going to be weird to maybe see her on TV or if, I, if her team is ever playing the team that I go to college, just maybe see her there on the court playing. That's another sport the I played as a kid. Volleyball? Yeah. 
Wow. Church league. Church league? Volleyball. You had a church league volleyball team? Yes. I think, so I played. Um, That's interesting. That's, I've never heard of that. So I've heard of basketball teams. Yeah, baseball, basketball, volleyball, soccer. Um, never played any form of football. I think that's the only sport that my parents were like, you should not play that, um, which I'm okay with. I'm, ar- I'm already not a little bit right in the head, so if I played fo- – actually, if I would played football, they might have knocked some sense into me. Uh, but, yeah, I'd, I hated soccer. I hated really? soccer so much. I because I'm a hands-on person. I got gotcha. you. So I like to do things with my hands, and in soccer you can't do anything with your hands. Can't do anything with your hands. <laughs> I mean, you can't push kids down because that's a foul. I mean, and you, you could. can't pick. Uh, yeah, yeah, but there's nothing stopping you. You can't you can't pick up the ball because it's. I mean, as other countries call it, it's literally football. And so, I mean, I I just never enjoyed it. Well, our country calls it football. Oh wait, no, no. our country. Our country I'm sorry. calls it soccer. I mean, my mistake. Because <laughs> now I'm so conditioned to hearing football that I, I understand it as soccer. Mm-hmm. So when you said football, I was like, yeah, soccer. We call it football. 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 Yeah. My mistake. I was so, you know, we're no, going I... to forget about that. But when I was a kid, I <laughs> played a lot out. of I played a lot of YMCA sports in terms of basketball, baseball. I don't think I played soccer. I think I played tennis like as well. You. Oh, I've played tennis. Tennis Not, was fun. I, I've, um... I've never played tennis competitively. That's, I, the, that's a, one of the sports that I've played, but I've never played it competitively. I've played all, all the other ones I mentioned earlier was some sort of competitive setting, whether it was a church league or a rec league or out or like travel competition. I've um, that's the only sport that I have not. When I was younger, I was in a bowling league and I was pretty good. Like at that, like what you were saying at that second or third grade level, like you think like. This you could be pro. I could be pro. You might be the next, like, Tiger Woods or Alex the, Rodriguez. I'd be the next or, Tiger Woods of bowling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The 15 championships. His current, he just previously won the Masters. Oh, yeah. Congratulations to him once again. If you're listening to this podcast, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe it's his, is it his fifth? Fifth green jacket. Fifth green jacket. Yes. But his 15th. Major. Uh, major. Correct. And there's four majors, am I correct? Yes. The Masters, Masters the US, US Open. Open. The Open Championship, or British Open, and then finally the PGA Championship. Of course. Sometimes I I, I forget about the, the major four. And then there's a quote-unquote fifth major, which is the Players Championship. It this. isn't actually a major, but it's considered the fifth major just because it's a big tournament. And... I'll find myself watching those cha- those majors. I'll find myself uh, with golf on TV, and I'm just I think to myself maybe I'll just watch five ten minutes, and then I look at my watch again, and it's like an hour later. I just get because golf sometimes goes unappreciated. It's like considered boring, not a sport. Uh, for the sport part, hey, it's in the Olympics now. No argument. <laughs> no argument there. Hey, golf I, has always th- been a sport. This is it is the most. Uh, multi-dimensional, multi-faceted, multi-layered sport. There is so much thought and consideration that must go into golf. Interesting fact, golfers um, have more injuries than rugby players do. I did not know that. Yeah. And um, I wonder what the exact statistics are behind that. The um, golfers have more knee, elbow, and back injuries than rugby players do. Now, they do not have the concussions, but that's a good thing. Now the um, 
the crowds that watch golf, like actually on the golf course, they probably sustain quite a bit of concussions. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that that's my thing with golf being a sport is if you look at the top players in the world, like what they do, like swinging a golf club at a um, Cameron Champ is kind of a uh, new golfer. Uh, he, I think this year was his first full year on the PGA Tour. He's been playing on the web.com, which is a slightly lower tier professional tour. And he swings the golf club at 129 miles an hour on average. To give you an idea of how fast that is, that is um, eight or six miles an hour faster than the highest other um, average club head speed on the tour, which is 123 miles an hour. And um, I I hit the golf ball a fairly good ways. I don't sw- I don't swing it very fast, but I swing it faster than a lot of kids my age. And I'm swinging at 108 miles an hour right now. And so he's 21 miles an hour faster than me on average. Um, and then uh, the amount of rotation that uh, Rory McIlroy rotates his hips at 720 degrees per second. That's insane. Uh, and so, like, the physical aspect of golf... Some golfers struggle to turn their hips all the way. Yes. and So I, considering that he turns it with that you know, magnitude, that mm-hmm. uh, quickness is impressive. Brooks Kepka, one of the... Um, he's also one of the strongest guys on tour and one of the longest hitters... Um, he uh, his bench press for reps is 315 pounds. That's he, impressive. He does that for reps. I'm a measly like one. I think I can do like 125 for reps right now. My bench press is awful. I don't know why I mentioned that, but that's just an idea. <laughs> uh, no, the um, the guys on tour, the great players are truly athletes. I do agree that like the average golfer that most people would see, um, especially like amateur golfers, are not in that great shape. They're usually drinking beer and having chips and fries and all these other things. But the great players, the top 10, top 20 in the world, are um, for the most part very, very healthy guys. There's a few guys that usually they're older players that are just really good at, um, at golf very few of them are actually out of shape. And even the ones that look out of shape, they still do some sort of physical training. They just don't have the best diets. Do you have any professional golfer that you enjoy watching the most or that you ever looked up to? Um, I really enjoy, I enjoy watching Jordan Spieth. Not so much right now, he's not playing well, which is really sad. But uh, Rory McIlroy has a beautiful swing. I enjoy watching him. Um, Tiger Woods, I enjoy watching him. Uh, but as opposed to most golfers, I enjoy watching him because he's just fun to watch. He hits shots that most people wouldn't hit, and he has just kind of that draw to how he plays. Um, not like the shot shot shape of a draw, but just that I got kind you. of pull of people want to see success. They want to see him come back because it's the greatest comeback story ever. Um, you, you but can't forget his classic tradition of always wearing a red shirt on Sundays. That's awesome. Because I I always see when I always see him in a red shirt, I gotta think if I was ever at that level, what would be like my iconic trait? Mine is wearing Star Wars socks. Really? I I like it. During the winter, I wear Star Wars socks. Uh, 
that are like uh, like not knee length socks, but you know like long, I wear long socks and they're always Star Wars socks during the winter. During the summer, I don't just because it's so hot, nice. and I don't want the socked in. One one golfer that I enjoy watching that that I one of the earlier golfers that I became aware of was Bubba Watson. You know oh, the, yeah. the left-handed golfer with the pink driver that hits some, at a mile and a half. <laughs> just awesome. And can't hit it straight. Can't hit it straight, but still makes it work. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's super fun to watch. Yeah. He's actually really good buds um, with Webb Simpson, which is actually uh, not just my favorite golfer, uh, but favorite golfer and person combined that I look up to because he's such a genuine person. I've been to his camp um, two years now, and at that camp I get to, to meet with him and talk to him. Um, and he's he's not arrogant. Um, he's generous. One time we were uh, talking, he, he gives a clinic every year where he like kind of goes through um, different aspects of his game that he works on and stuff. And afterwards, I was talking to him, um, just asking just questions about the equipment that he used and what he worked on and what his favorite tournaments were and just like stuff like that. And he had to go because um, I think his daughter had a recital or something that he had to go to. And he was packing up his stuff and I was like, okay, well, that's the end of that conversation. Like, I, I didn't say that, but that's, that's what I was thinking. And um, I was about to walk away, but before I walked away, he said, come um, walk with me and talk with me as I put my stuff up. And so I talked to him for another like five or six minutes because I was talking to him while he was putting his stuff in his car and um, getting things together before he left. And that was that was one of those moments where I, where I realized that, you know, a lot of famous people have kind of a big head on their shoulders where they're like, okay, I'm not going to talk to somebody for this long. But he was very genuine and... Um, he showed that appreciation yes. for everyone who wanted to ask him these questions or show, show that they, ha they care enough about the sport, care enough about his... Mm -hmm. And the future of the sport as well. Uh, one thing that shows, I think, how genuine of a person he is, when I... Um, I at his camp, they also have a tournament to kind of go along with it. Nice. And I've won the tournament the past two years. And this past year when I won it, he sent me a text saying congratulations. And That's awesome. Yeah. And so I've got Webb Simpson's phone number on my phone, and it's the coolest thing ever. But I was like, how? I mean, that's just the coolest thing that somebody at his level not only would take the time to send a text to somebody, but also, like, that, that's a, that's a, that is a personal step of, like, hey, this is my actual phone number. This is really me texting you. Yeah, not, like, the, not an automated message just saying, like, congratulations, yeah. and insert I've, name here. I've actually texted him multiple times after that. I had a tournament in Florida. I'd never traveled to Florida to play, and I didn't know if it was going to be different. Um, and so I sent him a text and I said, hey, I've got a big tournament coming up that I've never played in before and I've never been to Florida to play. Do you have any tips? And he sent me a super long paragraph, uh, in not only encouraging me, or not only giving me tips, but also encouraging me saying, you know, don't treat this tournament any different. You've got a good golf swing. You know that it works. Just play and just enjoy playing. That's so cool to think about. Thinking about what we said earlier about how Golf allows us to connect with other people. Yeah, I, to, I, if you had asked me five years ago if, um, 
uh, do you think you'd have a professional golfer's phone number? Not only that, but one that is well known because people know a who notable. Is. Yeah. I mean, he won the U.S. Open in 2012, and so people know who Webb he's Simpson a notable is. golfer. For and sure. If you if you had asked me that I, if I would ha- know somebody personally that's on the PGA Tour, I would say of course not. And if I do, it's somebody that's ranked like 1,200 in the world. I mean, and it, that's not the case. And I think it's it's awesome that I have that opportunity. But we're even getting at the idea of how, like you said, like some at people at that level have that big head on their shoulders. But we're getting at the ad- idea of everyone's just a real person. Yeah. We're all just regular people we're with human. regular lives where he was able to just show that appreciation, show that genuine demeanor of just reaching out to you, texting you, you know, good job, congratulations. But then also not just that one-time thing to just show that he's nice, but he really is by then when you are asking these questions or continuing these conversations. That's, that's really fascinating to think about. Yeah, it's um, his influence and in how I play golf now has been awesome just because he's helped me realize because that camp is a Christian camp. And so going back to how being a Christian plays into me playing golf is I act different, play different, and just talk different in general because I know that my value is not in how well I play, but in how much God loves me. That that's that's what keeps me sane. Because if I was if I was not a Christian, I already said that I don't think I'd be playing golf. But and that wouldn't be the person that I am today. But I mean, I would be unrecognizable. There's n- there's no part of me that I think would be who I am right now. I wouldn't have the friends that I have. I wouldn't have the girlfriend that I have. I wouldn't have the relationship with my parents that I have. There's, I don't, there's almost no part of me. The only thing that I think may be a part of who I am, just because I think I would have to do it out of necessity, is maybe I would still be um, academically competitive. That's the only thing that I think would stay. And even then, I have no idea. How much Golf is just so intertwined with your life that it's an I- it's part of your identity at this point. Is that fair to say? Almost. When I think Noah, I have inadvertently I just think about golf as well. Um, and not that it's the only part of your life. Yeah. But it means so much to you that it's it's a part of you. It's a it is a part of me. Um, it's a distinguished I'd, trait about you yes but I would not I would would not go so far to say that it's a part of my identity because I don't find that I don't find myself okay all right um and from a non-christian perspective yes I would say it's part of my identity but as a Christian um I don't find I don't get my validation of being human and not only existing but living I don't find any of that in my ability to play golf and when I start to I have to remind myself that that's not what my life is about I just want you to know when you're famous and you're you're playing in all these majors <laughs> when, when you're getting your fifth green jacket I'm gonna text you congratulations and when I'm like playing with playing golf with my friends I'm gonna ask you for some tips of course Hey, right. well, why don't you? I, I can just come back and play with your friends. How about that? Yeah. You know, that would be awesome. 
Because that's I think about that sometimes about people. I said this previously with also Miss Williams. I think about some people that I've come in contact with in life, and sometimes you just meet people, and they're only in your life for a certain amount of time. But in 10, 20 years from now, where are they going to be in life? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be that very successful person in a business, or going to be famous? How are they going to be doing? And that gets at the idea I think about sometimes of keeping in touch with people mm-hmm. and how important that is. And even as much as the cell phones provide the convenience and social media provides the convenience to connect with people, sometimes the, that availability to us almost deters us from even using it. It's like we're so much, we have that accessibility to be so connected that we almost ignore it, where it's like we're connected enough that we really don't need to reach out to each other, which I find disappointing. Because with my old peers, my friends from my other school, I still try to keep in touch with them because I think they still matter to me. They weren't just kids that I had class with in that time in my life. I want to reach out to them, ask how they're doing, how's the semester going in school, uh, what colleges they're looking about, text them happy birthday every once in a while. But I think about 10 years from now, who am I going to be texting? Who am I going to be reaching out to to ask how they're doing? Yeah. And I just hope that it, the social media, I hope it doesn't uh, distract us or convince us that we're connected enough that we don't need to reach out to each other. Mm-hmm. I think uh, kind of a, a false connection um, would you know, be like Instagram is kind of a false connection to people because... That's a great way to put it, a false uh, connection. Because if you think about it, um, it's extremely rare, unless it's something very large, um, like a a great tragedy, it is extremely rare for somebody to post about something bad that's happening or has happened. Like, it's very rare for people to post, hey, I had a bad day today. But the reason I say it's a false connection is because people are connected, you know, the the saying, misery loves company. People are connected in times of need and trouble more than they are when things are amazing. Because when things are amazing, you don't need any help to be happy. But when things are going wrong, that is when being truly connected to somebody actually makes a difference because they can be down in that hole with you and tell you that it's okay. And Instagram doesn't provide that. Social media doesn't provide that. And the the other thing is that goes along with it is that uh, people who do post stuff like that, everyone that follows them is like, oh, another post about how they're having a bad day. I don't wanna hear it again. And so that false connection, you, I believe you get more of a connection in a setting somewhat like this where you sit down and talk about Have a conversation with someone. Yes, and because you learn more than just the great things. Because like you you said that you know me for playing golf for the most part, but I'm nearly certain that the only thing that you knew is that I was good and I enjoyed playing. For the most part, there was every once in a while. I know you've 
you've talked about your connection with God once before, but not as fully in depth as we are yeah. talking about it right now. But you've never known about the highs and lows of me playing golf. You never know. You never knew that I even quit playing golf at any yeah, point. I had no you idea. Probably figured I assumed that, from that you played since you were five or six and, and just never playing. stopped. Yeah, no. If I that it's always been a lifelong passion. If I had, if I had not stopped playing, uh, it would be really I'd. I would love to imagine this, but I don't think it would. If you stop playing and you then I might not be a baseball player. Next year. <laughs> no, I'm saying if yeah, if I'd never if I'd never stopped playing golf, I could completely understand and see myself not going to college next year and trying to be. Well, what, what about you talking about your intellectual pursuit and challenging yourself that way? Do you think you'd be smarter or more challenging on yourself, pushing yourself to higher limits than you are now? If you if you gave up golf and then you didn't pursue baseball either, but you were talking about that intellectual pursuit earlier, that you have many interests that you like continuing to learn. Mm, I don't know because my dad put it this way: I get hyper focused on things and then I drop them. And so, so by hyper focused means for uh, what he means by that is for about a month or two months, depending on how interested I am in something. Um. I will learn everything there is to know about it. For instance, I'm hyper-focused on playing pool right now, like eight ball, nine ball, and all this other stuff. I'm very much hyper-focused on that. And um, we've got a pool table at our house now, and I have watched videos of how to hit shots and what to do, and I've looked on Amazon, like what cues I might get. Um, And then... I've gone through times uh, when I was younger, like with uh, bear grills and um, survival and stuff like that. I've got like, I don't know, eight knives at my house and flint and steel for fire starting and rope for climbing trees and setting up tents and all this. I'd ready ready for the camping adventure slash yeah, so the apocalypse. I'd, I'd learn and try, I'd try and learn and enjoy learning all these different things. I went through a kick where I really wanted to learn how to solve a Rubik's Cube. I have no idea why. I saw a video of, of somebody solving one in like six seconds and I wasn't I wasn't thinking, man, I could do that. I was just thinking, I'd like to know how to solve a Rubik's Cube. There's so a science behind that, it. That day, I went to Walmart, bought a Rubik's Cube and um, watched videos and read articles of like what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. And I learned how to solve a Rubik's Cube. I don't remember now, but it's stuff like that. Um, and getting back at the idea, idea that you said you have multiple interests yes. and how now you're talking about the hyper focus that you get really into one interest yes. and learn all about it, all the ins and outs. I mean, I'd, um, for, I got hyper-focused, there's so many things I've gotten hyper-focused on. I got, um, so, like, camping, survival, anything that do, does with the outdoors, rock climbing, um, rappelling, uh, magic tricks, Rubik's Cube, um, pool. With the billiards. Rubik's Cube. Uh, I had a friend through the church. Uh, he was in my closer to my sister's age, so he's a little older than me. He put a video out on Facebook of him solving a Rubik's cube with a shirt over his head. And for years, I was so impressed. I was like, "How in the world Played did you backwards. do it?" Exactly. But you, I'm throwing you back to like a 2008, 2007, where 
you didn't know, know that you could do that with I had no idea <laughs> that you could reverse yeah. the playback of a video that he just started with a solved Rubik's Cube and just twisted it in all these different directions to... Mythbusters uh, had an episode like that where um, Adam Savage solved Rubik's Cube with his feet in um, just a few minutes. Uh, and they were talking about how like, people don't notice things. And, and they were like, if you look in the back of the video, you can see Jamie walking backwards through the um, room. That's great. But yeah, um, no, I have many, many interests. And I think that's part of the reason why I love golf so much. Because I'm, far, I'm away from it enough to miss it when I come back. But I'm with it long enough to progress forward. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's a, I, it's a it, nice if balance. Had, if I had no other interests, then I would probably really, I'd probably be really, really, really good at golf, but I wouldn't enjoy it as much because I wouldn't have any chance to miss it. And I think the, I think if you love something enough to miss it, then you're spending enough time away from it to enjoy coming back to it. Golf is such a fun game, though. It doesn't get enough credit, as I've said before. No, no, it's just. At all. It's so intricate. It's not just an old the man's way, sport. <laughs> the way you need to approach every single shot, you need to be consistent. We made it a whole hour. You know, I had a great, this was a great conversation. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. No, I, this is I, awesome. I feel like that's the end of the show. Yeah, we only really, we went through one broad topic, but we covered a multitude of other small ones within it. It, it expanded, I think it evolved. Us, us talking before we started the show, I think you remember me saying that like golf is such a broad topic that it can go. I told you topic one will be golf. And you said, I think I can talk about golf for an hour. We have reached the one hour mark. Oh yeah. Just a minute ago. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you very much. I, I, that I was, thoroughly enjoyed that. That was, I had a great time. So thank you for having that conversation with me. Of course. So maybe we can do another one. Yeah, maybe we can have definitely do another one. Yeah, have a different topic. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a conversation with Matthew. Until next time, have a conversational day.